0: fellas well here we are uh we've got uh luke 48 in the chat uh before the stream has even gone live uh <laughs> absolutely looking for violence out there uh after the potter out brigade from last year so uh shout out to you luke for being early uh for the, for the absolute violence seeking that you're you're throwing out there uh but welcome everyone to episode 179 of Together BHA Uh, Game week one almost over barring one game to go we're recording in between the Arbyon game and Manchester City against West Ham Mares is not in the team I've been absolutely scammed in Fantasy Premier League but everything is looking very bright indeed fellas Uh, Adam, Craig how are we doing?
1: Pretty good after that Uh, (laughs) I'm Uh, yeah, well, we'll, we'll get into the, into the weeds a little bit more, but I was fully expecting to have a sort of nice, solid, disappointing Sunday um, after the events of the last, you know, few days and the state of the squad and the expectations and videos of Eric Ten Hag's regimented training sessions. Uh, and here we are. The opposite has occurred. Are you
2: great? Good, yeah. I mean, it's hard hard not to be. Um, I think, like we said, we tweeted out just before the game as well, it kind of felt like a free hit. So uh, I went in with very low expectations and come out a very, very happy man.
0: Yeah, I mean, Old Trafford uh, never kept a clean sheet there in our history, let alone uh, took a win. Uh, I think we've only took one point from Old Trafford in league history, and that was in 83, Um, good enough to get us to a cup final. So uh, it's not often that we would pull pull out that sort of performance. Um, But we did. Uh, And it almost felt like we kind of picked up where we left off uh, from the 4-0 demolition, Um, except Manchester United were there with a brand-new manager, uh, loads and loads of optimism, Um, and Albion went to Old Trafford uh, and really, barring that first 10 minutes or so where they expectedly started a little bit quicker, um, they were really quite bang average, weren't they?
1: I think average is being a little bit generous. Uh, oh, well, let's let's also think maybe, I guess, the actual start of the game, the expectations. I think everyone, from a Brighton standpoint, even for the most... Um, positive optimistic fans i think we were going into this game thinking all right we've lost basuma we've lost Cucare. and we'll probably get on to kukareo in a bit right because when we recorded our last episode the deal was expected to be done but we were still in the midst of um fabrizio romano versus club admin uh twitter debacle debates over pricing and it wasn't final um and the team sheet as well when it came out, I looked at that and I looked at the subs bench and I thought, has he got it the wrong way around? Because I'd quite like to see most of the subs bench starting as opposed to the alternative. Um, and we were playing Trossard, left wing back, March, right wing back, and we didn't have a proper defensive <laughs> midfielder. I mean, we were playing essentially four midfielders who all in their histories have been more attacking focused. Like if you remember Lalana for a couple of years in his career, almost played a, a number 10 role, right? Um, And between what we know Pascal Gross does and and, and what we know Caicedo likes to do, which is get forward, despite what he showed today. um, Yeah, it looked like a weird team. And for the first five minutes, those doubts were proven fairly correct. It didn't look nice. Man United looked awful at the back. We looked like we forgot how to mark and and what, (laughs) what it looks like to actually defend in a football game. And you kind of thought to yourself, this could go badly. And then it didn't.
2: Yeah, it looked messy. I think you said in the chat as well, it was just the first sort of affair was very nervy, very just a little bit all over the place. They obviously started with a little bit of enthusiasm, given it's technically a new manager bounce and, and all that jazz. The first game of the season, you know, we started slow. I mean, we've heard that before. Um, but it's the game sort of grew into it. And once we got control, a little bit, not possession wise, but just creating the chances. Um, After that sort of 10 minute mark, we became that comfortable sort of team that we know and love. And like you said, it's a surprise given everything that's gone down, the outgoings for this season as well. Um, So, and then when we started to create chances, um, yeah, that, that man, you back line looks like last season. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it was weird at, at first, but once we sort of started taking control, it was, it was, pretty good and eventually that that thing came
0: yeah all, all the talk this offseason has been about Chelsea not having a out and out striker uh but today Christian Eriksen lined up at top for Manchester United um that went about as expected uh they were just about as toothless as it can get um Rashford looked you know, a little bit more lively than than he'd been in the past. Uh but that Brighton side was exactly the same one that we lined up uh outside of Espanol, uh, just with the exception of wepu off and Lalana on. Um looked like a bold move. Like you said, that lineup looked uh like an interesting one. Really I mean no changes from last season really barring minus our two best players and, and in comes Lalana uh known to not stay fit at all. Uh and more of a kind of starring role for for Kaiseido, who's who's also been, you know, worth noting. I think that's his ninth Premier League game. Um, and we'll, we'll obviously get onto the players a little bit more uh, shortly. But that was Kaiseido's ninth or tenth Premier League game. Um, and I think I said it to you all, but I think we've identified our next uh, massive sale uh, well in advance of whenever it actually happens.
1: <sighs> he continues to be outstanding and yeah he he's i have a feeling he's going to be our new version of when we said last season the man of the match is either kukare or basuma i've got a feeling this season is going to either be or casado um which is nice that we can backfill that with a couple more talented players and I, i think i'm people are going to be falling asleep of me repeating this again but it wasn't that long ago where he was you know, playing for the team rooted to the bottom of the Belgian league and we brought him back after the, the dysfunction at that team. And I think they had a game stop with fan intervention and essentially rioting. Just shows you what you can you know that players talent is is beyond sometimes what is represented by the team he's playing for, which brings us nicely really onto Man United's entire team. Um And you mentioned Rashford. And I think just for a little sidebar from an England standpoint, it's such a shame for Rashford and Sancho in particular for me, like players that have these high hopes and I think are very good players. But you have no idea actually how good they are because they're essentially playing on what is now really it. <laughs> you could call it a cursed team. Um I just, nothing seems to work there. So we'll we'll get into him in a little bit more detail, but back to Kaiseido, absolutely astounding today. Um, He was, we talked a lot before this season about how he's not a direct baseman replacement. I'll tell you what, he did a pretty good job of pretending today, didn't he? Defensively, really astute, incredible also with interceptions. I think he started at least three counterattacks to my memory, one of which resulted in the first goal, um, just a special player. Well, what a job by the recruitment team. The difference between what happens when you have a, a solid structure um, in your club uh, where you can find these types of players and bring them in and they do well.
2: This, yeah, I mean, it's a joy to watch, isn't it? I think I agree with you that it, he's likely to be the default for Man of the Match unless someone pulls something out of the bag, the mercurial trossard here and there. But yeah, it's it's so good to watch and especially sort of him in the middle. I think another one calling out before we go into the goals, I think just well back, holding up the line today was so good. Just, um I know he was onside, but was called offside for one of the touches in the first half. But I mean, we saw pictures of how stacked he is like a geo dude before, before preseason. So, you know, just the size of the guy he has been able to run that line very well today. Um, I mean, Granted, he's not coming up against the best defense in the world. I think we saw that. But um, running it single-handedly, especially in that second half as well, that was a really good shift been put in by him as well. So uh, that hasn't gone unnoticed. But, yeah, really, really good all around.
0: Uh, extra points for a Gen 1 Pokemon call out there, Craig. Uh, yeah, that's, a very, yeah, really,
2: that's
1: a, really strong.
0: It's a very, very niche market, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Pokemon's got its fans. Um, so let's talk... Brighton and the overarching kind of tactics and and, and stats today. Uh, we lined up with the three at the back, as expected, pretty much the same formation, as I said, uh, as Espanol. Um, and when I read these, the, the kind of the basic big boy stats out, uh, for those listening and, and everybody else, right, bear in mind we were ahead uh, for 40 minutes of that game at Old Trafford. Um, so you've got to bear in mind that this was a second half where they – we pouring it on us pretty much up until the goal. Um, and then, uh, you know, we'll get to that. But I thought Albion played incredibly well to take control and calm it down a little bit after mm-hmm. that. But uh, they had <laughs> uh, head-to-head, they had 17 shots to our 15. and One shot more on target than us. This is a team that were chasing the game at half-time. 62% possession, uh, which was not the case at half-time when it was obviously a lot closer. Uh, we were you know that was just because we scored in the kind of the half hour point um we weren't so good on pass success rate they were much better than us uh, but again we were kind of playing that counter attacking football uh out dribbled them out tackled them uh, and we just we just looked like a team that were very comfortable in their own skin uh, despite the losses we have made um and talking tactically uh, I don't have uh, everyone's heat maps up there together I'm working on it right now but the, the biggest difference for me when I'm watching this team now is the amount of players, and we saw this throughout, um, and I'm just seeing the heat map here, and it's actually backing up my 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 words so I can speak a bit more confidently. Um, So the amount of times we saw, especially early last season, before Christmas when we were just drawing games, drawing, 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 and we were hitting those kind of last-minute equalizers and stuff, the amount of times you would watch a game and the amount of times you'd hear a commentator say, that was a great ball from insert winger here uh for Brighton. Um, but there's just nobody there. Uh that you know, there's no one there waiting for it, or there was four defenders in the box and just Mope, like waiting for the ball. Um the key thing here is the amount of players that are now, and this started at the end of last season with that run of form that we, we started getting. The key point is the amount of players now being willing to flood the box, and if you look at uh, the, the the heat maps here, the, I mean, Gross, Trussard, McAllister, Caicedo, March, Lalana, and Danny Welbeck on the heat maps were predominantly in their half. That's outrageous! Like that's that is not something you would have seen this time last year, um, and that willingness to flood flood the box. I mean, we saw it twice. Pascal Chris stroked in too. Um and I think that's been the big change. Uh and we're now starting to see those goals come from elsewhere, right? Not just having to rely on one striker uh that that may pop up and, and get a goal here and there.
1: Yeah, i mean, it, it was and there was a couple more chances there where it was it was cl- a close run thing too. There was a there was a chance where another cross came across the box and it was just missed and countless chances where Wellbeck got his head up, didn't he and and it was just wide from across, or just tried to bring it down. Um what was interesting is for the first half, it felt like McAllister was our deepest sort of central midfielder for the most part. I know Casado dropped in and out, but McAllister was the one anchoring a little bit more, which is fairly unusual. And again, when you don't have an out-and-out defensive midfielder, you kind of have to make do with what you have. Um I don't know. And I think that the the question mark for me around this is despite the fluidity and despite the fact that it felt the players were popping up in different positions, and the fact that um, Trossard and and March at least switched wings in the second half um, when Ronaldo came on, uh, Trossard went to the right hand side and March went to the left hand side. Um, You just basically had everyone interchange all these different spots. it's against Manudo. That's the problem. And with Ericsson essentially playing as a force nine. You didn't need to have everyone sit really deep in that first half. So I don't know how representative the quality and the things that we did in the first half is going to match against the t- a team that plays an out-and-out striker up front or two up top because you just can't do that against someone that is, is actually threatening the goal. Man United were no threat for the first half at all because of that sell that they had. So I wonder what Potter said 10 minutes before the game with that lineup and basically said, everyone, by the way, they're not going to be able to do a damn thing with their skin up top. Everyone go forward. Mac, you sit in front of the defense. Moises, you swing back and forth and you kind of you play a little bit box to box. Everyone else, do what you want.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was a feeling out process, wasn't it? Especially in the first 10 minutes or so, where you're sort of, okay, so a new team with new players and a new manager. Like, how are they going to come out? I'm sure the groundwork was done, but how how are we going to do that? Um and once we, once we saw that and was able to sort of counteract that, there was a very high press from them. And you you realize, okay, like Trossard and March are going to be the main outlets here where we try and go round them as opposed to through the middle. Um, and we we tried and it, it worked. I think you, you saw that with the goal as well. Um, like you said, Caicedo with the, the tackle in the middle, Trossard really out wide, um, and then Welbeck with a great run. And as Josh just said, you've got three people in the box right there and just, just waiting for it. So, um, very cool finish. Obviously what we expect from gross, um, it, there was no celebration whatsoever because he does it so often against Manchester United. It's just, um, expected at this point, but, um, really well taken. And then, the, the, then you start thinking about, okay, what about the backlash here? You know, the inevitable cliche of conceding as soon as you score. um, but we've rarely seen that in the last twelve months, where we we score and we just continue to take that control, and it just keeps on. That that pressure stays on, and that's credit to the team, and that's credit to to Graham Potter as well, and being able to keep them focused even after a, even after a goal, and then it leads on to the second.
1: Yeah, and different stars of goals for the most part, just in terms of the way that they, they came about, but fundamentally, it was. The Same type of process, really, that created the goals. It was someone picked it out from, the, and in the second case, it was Trossard pulled off a ridiculous backheel from essentially our own what corner flag for the most part, <laughs> wasn't much. it? Yeah, um, and just sort of backheeled it out. Casado again was heavily involved, got the ball out to March, I think, and then the, and then the cross came in, and again, as you would expect, our classic fox in the box number nine, Pascal Gross was, <laughs> was there again. And still like um, there was an interesting, a fun tweet from Rich Rich Jolly uh, about Pascal Gross's has, has scored against Manchester United teams managed by Jose Mourinho, Oli Solskjaer, Ralph Raniuk and Eric Ten Hag. Just to sort of um summarize how 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 potentially bleak that situation has been at Manchester United and, and, and how actually solid over a decent period of time Gross has been for us. And it wasn't too long ago, was it? Let's talk about Pascal Gross for a moment. Even just last season, well, let's face it, I think collectively the fan base was, had, had run its course a bit with Pascal Gross during that patch of games where one of the patch of games where we didn't do mm. too well for a while. And everyone was sort of saying it might be his time. It might be time for him to move on and, and at the end of the season. And since that bad run of games, Pascal Gross has arguably
2: been one of our best players, if not the best player on the team. Yeah, I think, what was it, from March onwards of this year? Just crazy form and it helps where he's playing in a position that he's used to and can make the most damage um you know we've, we've seen him play in some positions that just don't suit him like he's a very versatile player but that's a blessing and a burden um so having him in that position and be able to create i mean you set pieces alone for the last five years or so uh, are enough um i, th- I think another forgive me if this is wrong but I think it's six goals out of 19 have come against Man United so that's like nearly a third of his goals coming against one team um just loves it so um yeah it, an amazing signing obviously it continues to prove his value I mean when you think back to three million pounds it's it's a joke to be fair um ridiculous so, yeah
1: yeah more of those I mean again testament to the uh the absurdity that our our transfer group pulls off time and time again and, and again towards the end of the show I'm sure we'll talk about some expectations around what that looks like because I don't think this team that you saw today from a squad standpoint is the one that we're going to go through to the rest of the season with I'd be absolutely shocked because um, yeah. while it's incredible today um you know, we, we, there's some there's some depth questions there. Josh has moved around his house to get a little bit bit of a different backdrop. But we've, uh, we've been waxing lyrical about Pascal Gross. I want to talk about the refs quickly because there's been some comments in the chat as well today because mm-hmm. it wouldn't be a, a Brighton season or really a Premier League season if we didn't start to talk shit about the refs immediately. The good thing here, obviously, is the fact they didn't cost us today and we overcame what I think is probably fair to say a, a slew of fairly questionable decisions. Um, there was a challenge early on, McTominay on Kaiseido, but when Kaiseido went down, that dread filled me. I don't know about you, I just thought, yeah. oh, he's gonna be out for six months. Yeah. Uh, and thankfully it was just a, it was it was studs up into the shin. I've seen refs give a red card for that. Um, and I was surprised but there wasn't a little bit more chat there. And the other one I supposed to talk about that Jamie brought up too was, for me, there was a penalty. And I think it was, was it a shove from Martinez? On my, it was mm-hmm. Martinez who was already yeah. on a yellow um, where his hand came up. He pushed him over. And even if Welbeck was looking for it, it still felt like a penalty to me. Um, and that's without us even talking about the handball. But any thoughts on those two decisions?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, they, it is weird that they haven't been taken a look at by vr at the minimum like i i think there's a there's a natural it's a natural forgiveness for referees given how much is going on right so if he doesn't get it right that's what vir is there for but i'm very surprised that those two didn't get an extra check and you know when i was looking at it and obviously just through the group chat and everything we were saying like how has that been blatantly dismissed even as a check, right? If it's been thoroughly checked and on second thoughts, it's fine. Then I'm happy with that. At least it's been checked thoroughly enough, but it was a, yeah, like I said, a very blatant dismissal of, of both of them where it was like, okay, that's definitely not. And, and we move on. Um, interesting, especially at the start of every season as to, oh, we're going to tweak VAR this year, or we're going to, we're going to upheaval this this year. and um, it, they're setting a precedent now with game week one that this stuff is going to fly, in which case you can expect that throughout the season. I think where we get annoyed is the inconsistency around the calls. So it, if this is going to be the bar, as long as it's consistent, I'm okay with it to an extent. But we know it's not going to be consistent and that's where the whole top six bias theory does come from and, and we talk about that a lot. but. At start of the season, it's always very strange because you don't know where that level of refereeing is going to be just yet.
1: Kind of you to say Man United are top six side. But anyway, yeah, I take your point.
2: I'm a stats man. <laughs> Old,
0: Old Trafford is also an incredibly difficult place to gauge refereeing performances too, right? Because they're notoriously scamps. Um, but that that first challenge, I, I have seen Reds given a lot. And I suspect, and I know it's bad to say, but I suspect if it was... A season in an injury. He probably would have been off. Um, okay. Shouldn't really change the fact that it was a terrible challenge. Um, and you know, it's it's one that McTominay seems to make every other week um, and get away with. So he's a bad player, isn't he? He's quite a bad yeah, player. Objectively poor. He? He's, just, <laughs> he's just he's just yeah. not a good player. Um, <laughs> it's it's weird too. Uh, there was this. Um, there was a central defensive midfielder. Um, I think he was like 24, 25 this summer that went for quite considered a cut price. Um, and pretty much every team in the top six and outside of Europe had looked at him in the last like 18 months or so, barring Manchester United. Uh-huh. Um, I wonder who just is. Which is weird. Yeah, because Manchester United are the most in need. And yet, Bisuma went to Spurs instead. Very, very, very strange to me that that wasn't even considered.
1: Yeah, well, the difference between Spurs is... Transfer policy under under Conte and the, and the chap they hired from Juventus, who was fairly highly regarded. And then Manchester United sort of consortium of Gary Neville, Rio Ferdinand, and Eric Ten Hag, sort of former colleagues. Um, just a slight, slight different. Who'd have thought that bringing in a five foot nine defender and Christian Eriksen hasn't necessarily changed their fortunes immediately? But um, <laughs> But the, the penalty one it was interesting because the, the cliched aspect of game of two halves came into play, right? First half, incredible for us. I think we all went in on cloud nine, but knowing that a very different Man United uh, focus uh, would, would, would come out in the second half, a different display. And it did. That first five, 10 minutes of that game was, was 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 pretty rough for us. There was lots of balls coming in. It was across the Rashford at the back post from Ericsson that was dangerous. Ronaldo... Um, Interestingly, we got a nice sort of um, shot of Ronaldo's topless torso for about 45 seconds while the game was going on. (laughs) A ball was flying across through, a counter-attack was happening, and we were just staring at Cristiano Ronaldo's chest. Um, But that's where that penalty decision came into play, or lack of decision. And if you score a third there, the game's over. Because the Man United heads drop, they then conceded seven in the trot on the trot against Brighton, and they go, "Ah, oh, we're done yeah. That's it." Um, instead, it could have been a very different game, and we didn't help ourselves after that decision. Because I mean, how long was it after that? Ten minutes after, fifteen minutes after that decision was our. Um, some of the most bizarre corner defending I think I've seen in a while. A goal that rolled down Diogo Dallo's arm and then off of Alexis McAllister after Sanchez punched the air.
2: Uh, should we talk <laughs> about that goal? I, I want to make sure yeah. that I don't get hounded. It, it is it is a penalty for me, just for the record, just before I get slated when this goes out. It is absolutely. The World Deck one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And you're, you're, you're spot on. That changes the game. And I think we go and win that comfortably. But instead, we see some very suspicious defending from a corner.
0: I, th- I think if it's at the other end, right. And we've seen it. If it's at the other end, that's given absolutely no doubt about it. That if Ronaldo mm-hmm. goes down to that challenge from dunk, that's a pen every day of the week. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but at two nil down opening day of the season, new manager, uh, new can do attitude. Uh, you can't be giving Brighton a th- possible third goal and a Pascal gross hat trick, no less. Um, not at all oh rapid. yeah, Tierney would be uh, lynched on the way out in the on the in the tunnel if it dared do that. Um, and, yeah. and it almost then, as you said, we almost paid for it because those corners um, didn't defend them great, did we? <laughs> uh, my first my first assumption that it was going to be a foul on Sanchez because you see it constantly. Um, yeah, but it it wasn't. And after that, it was just an absolute disgrace of a goalmouth scramble. Um, And after that, it felt like it was going to go one way and one way only a little bit. Um, But that's where you have to turn around and say, holy shit, Like major credit to Potter and the team for calming themselves down and calming the game down and essentially just taking the entire sting out of it. Because after that, they looked well up for it. Uh, And Brighton were just like, nah, (laughs) just cancelled them out, which was really impressive, uh, given that we've lost two of our best players and both of them defensive-minded.
1: We should talk about Sanchez briefly there too, because um, despite the, um, it was a howler, wasn't it? Let's face it. Uh, Prior to that, almost, what, a couple minutes or less prior to that, um, there was a counter-attack, wasn't there? Where Ronaldo beat, for me, he beat the offside trap and it, it was onside. I don't know why they decided to raise the flag early, but they did, which was good for us cross over to Rashford and then Sanchez was one of the most incredible sort of rush out spread your arms wide saves that that I've seen in a one-on-one situation in, amazing save and it's it's what we know and, and and love and despise about about Sanchez he giveth and, and he taketh away because he does that and then he just comes out and just <laughs> punches into nothing. Um, but he was he was relative outside of that one mistake. He was impressive today, and I think for for everyone that's going to jump on Sanchez and and just focus on the on the on the goal, the own goal. Look at what De Gea does instead. Pretty highly regarded keeper. There was a period of time during last season for a few months where De Gea was arguably the best. I think he won Player of the Month, didn't he? Uh, for for one of the month in the Premier League. You see what he does when it comes to distribution and how he deals with the press how many times did they screw up or he pass, or put a defender under pressure in the first half? And we nearly scored two goals from it. Sanchez is so much better at the, with the ball at his feet than, than someone like a De Gea. So there's, there's, there's a balance there. Um, and I, I think there's more good stuff to come from him. I know we talked about this a lot, but let's not all jump on him for his mistake.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think you've nailed it to be fair. The, that sort of consistency and we, we say this all the time and it's going to be a very cliche thing but if he was as consistent as we as he is when he's at his high then he's not playing for brighton he's he's at one of the best clubs in the world doing what he does because he's doing it on a consistent basis you take the good with the bad um yeah he's made a mistake potential for for dallo just being a little bit too much on him but you know we've seen them given but again it, it is what it is but yeah a bit of a bit of a shocker but like you said that that save uh, of Rashford as well that would have been overturned as onside because I think I think it was onside so it was very yeah. it was very important yep. that he saved that.
1: A couple of amazing balls he played out to the wings and to Welbeck in particular too, especially because yes. for the second half Welbeck was defended by Martinez one on one, and he <laughs> he won most of those headers because it'd be pretty bad if he didn't.
0: it's the very definition of keeping your arm strong isn't it like when you're when you're spreading yourself wide like that save was outrageous there's there's a lot of goalkeepers in the prem that are good goalkeepers that it would have probably gone in anyway because it would have bounced on like off the arm and in uh but sanchez was just so strong in the challenge that it was nothing um unbelievable save. Uh, I don't think he could quite believe that it was saved himself. Uh, Either Rashford or Sanchez both looked surprised at the outcome. Um, But like you said, I I think it was onside as well, for sure. Um, And then not long after that, uh, the subs started coming on. um, And that was really, like, that really took the sting out of the game, I think, at that point. Uh, The Lamptey and Wepu on Trossard and Lalana off. Um, Lalana's hamstrings begging for mercy at one point, it felt like, in that first (laughs) half. And yet, he, he saw it out, and he didn't go off injured, um, which is a huge win for us, honestly, because I thought he played pretty well. Um, Went on, Lampty on, uh, looked good today. I thought Lamptey did a really good job of being asked to do exactly what he was asked to do. He looked like he's got a little bit of that burst of pace back, um, especially over short term. Obviously not sure over the longer, longer stints like he used to be. Um, but I thought he looked really good today, uh, and him and Gross on that right-hand side, essentially just ruined the game they played spoiler i thought for uh, against united for that last kind of 10 minutes and at that point uh it, it felt like it was just as likely to end 3-1 that as as it was ending 2-2 which is a huge testament to the fact that we came back after going a goal well we didn't go a goal down we went let conceded one and, and we looked a lot more comfortable after the fact which is odd
1: yeah, there was a couple of bits there were and Wepu which I thought Wepu was good when he came on. I understand why he didn't start, but it, he controlled the ball well. There were some really nice triangles of possession at certain points. One of them ended in a sort of relatively audacious attempt from, from McAllister from outside the box. Um it's a really nice controlled uh, possession of the ball there from him but there was one where I think he just needed to go around one defender and there was a chance for a third there if he crossed the ball in it was good and Lamptey showed some Some I thought we saw the sort of weird danger to the five substitutions rule from a man you perspective because they brought on to what Elanga and then two guys that if you'd have asked me if they were real people I wouldn't have been able to
0: tell you um, one of uh, them was uh, one of their new signings, Adam Malassia, Yeah, Melakia.
1: yeah, sounds great. Um, but and then it, what? What the one guy comes on and has to defend against Lampton and just hacks him down immediately. Like that's what you don't want. You don't put a young player in the position where you have Speedy Gonzalez running at him in the ninety-second minute in your own corner, of, like of, of of your of the pitch, and expect him to make the right decision. You need a wise head on shoulder. Uh, That was a weird one for me. And they lost their entire balance from from their team. Whereas Potter was a little bit more structured and processed with the way that the subs came in. It was, as you said, Lamptey came on, Weppu came on. He still kept that body. And later we had Colwell swapped out from the left back and Undev came on for about 15 seconds and gave away a foul. When Ten Hag did what he did it just destroyed what they had. And I didn't feel worried at the end of the game like I normally do, because as soon as those subs were made, it was like, oh, okay, you're done.
2: Yeah, I think I, I agree with both of you. It was very strange to bring on a what was a triple substitution on the 89th minute. That's just, just odd to me that you think they're going to make an impact within the next four or five minutes. And you need to give them time to actually get their, get their heads on and go for the game. But yeah, very weird, very weird decision. Yeah. Um, I mean, to uh, you can only play what's in front of you, I guess. So um, you know, just feel like it made it easier for us. And like you said, Gross and lampty kept it in that <laughs> in that bottom right corner for a good five, six minutes just to see the game out. Um, very well done, obviously. And yeah, credit to the team and the manager as well because, like I, I was saying before, just, just don't let those heads drop. You know, when we go one nil up, the pressure stays on, and when we do concede. The head stay level, and we we concentrate. There's there's very little given away there in in their mentality. So very good to see. Obviously,
0: it stank a desperation to me that last that bunch yeah. of subs at the end. Um, yeah. And when from a psychological perspective, if you're a Brighton team watching that happen, you're, there's at least some of the players on that pitch are feeling the same way. Um, and yeah, when you when you watch the same when you watch that structured approach, of, all right. We're just gonna sub on a centre half uh for whoever it is that it came off for. Um who was it that Colewell okay. came off solid march? Um yeah. like cool, we'll just swap him out, no problem at all. Shortly after. I think it was the same time, wasn't it, that, that he came on. Um while they're throwing on three players uh and it just it just felt like a desperate move. Um and for a team that should have been in the ascendancy and pushing for an equalizer. Like you said, it just 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 destroyed the entire um anything they had going on, which is great for us. Um I did enjoy that he hacked down Blanty. Uh that that was the Malassia fella, the new sign-in that they made. He hacked him down, then immediately had to go and mark Lewis Dunk that that looked literally about one foot and a half taller than him. Um and then Pascal Gross drilled it along the ground.
1: Uh, and also there was a there was a man directly to Gross's left team, uh where he could have just right. smashed the ball and had a shot on guard. It was one of the worst free kicks I think I've seen in quite a while. Yeah. Could
0: have just so, played it in the corner. Really.
1: Only thing he did um, wrong all day, Pascal Gross, so we'll give we'll let him say,
0: off,
2: you know. We'll we'll give him that one.
0: Let's uh, talk about Pascal yeah. Gross. Um how how is it that the slowest man in the Premier League is able to make himself open at the back post two times in a row, Old Trafford. Like, how, like, is he almost like deceptively slow? Like, are the, are the defenders working like too quickly for him? Like, yeah,
1: the Man United defenders are definitely there, working yeah. too quickly for him. No. <laughs> there's a real, we talked about grace while you've got your <laughs> hamster back in the uh, internet wheel in your house, but like, there's it's amazing how Craig wrote the stat about how many goals he's scored and how many have come against Man United and I think he's just a smart footballer isn't he and we've seen how many strikers have we seen in the past who don't have the pace the fluidity to, to, to necessarily just carve out a defence but they'll time their runs to a level where they're just they just get in the right spot at the right time and that's just what he does doesn't he he's such a versatile player and, and again that we mentioned before the fact that he's come from what was essentially on his way out of the club midler last season to, to really become our arguably our best performing player has been nothing short of incredible. Um so long long may hit his his form reign
0: absolutely uh Scooch in the chat says that he, he loves play as we all probably do uh, and feels with him no matter who we play we have that chance to win and I think that was something that you said as well Adam at one point it felt like we could just play anyone in any position at this point and, and United were going to look absolutely toothless uh, I think it was shortly after that first goal and when we kind of snuffed everything out after that it, it it almost did feel like we could have made any of those five substitutions and United would have made a difference uh, in, in the way they were going at us <sighs>
1: What's well, everything, isn't it? But I also challenge you to look at the subs benches today, by the way. Uh, which team has the better subs bench? At, r- remove Ronaldo from the equation because, you know, he should have started, really. But Brian have a better subs bench than Man United right now. I know Martial's out. Um, but I'd rather bring on nearly every one of the Brighton subs over the, the subs that Man United were able to bring on. Think about that. And that's more to the point of that is not, it's not, it's it's the whole running of the club and Potter. But yeah, I think you could probably still give Potter this Man You squad. I guarantee this would be a completely different result. Um, who knows, but I, I, it's we now get back to the question. I know we're jumping the gun a bit because the first game of the season doesn't prove a lot. I also kind of want to ask you guys and the people listening, how good are we? Because I don't know how much this game actually tells us, by the way. Um, but how, how long do we keep Potter from if this does continue? If he if he sees this team, if we don't make any big splash signings, if he sees this team to a top 10 finish, he's got a Champions League job lined up for him whenever he wants it.
0: My my eye is firmly on Qatar, honestly. Um, we crash out in that group stage, which I don't think we're likely to do. But if we crash out in that group stage to the US and Wales, Southgate will be a goner. Definitely gone. Um and there surely only has to be one name on that list at that point that, that they're looking at. If we continue in the form before that kind of Sean thing, dice yeah. right? Yes. <laughs> uh, with Graham Potter, a close second. Um, <laughs> yeah. but I, I think, I, I mean, they're not going to go for how, right. He's just signed a new deal at Newcastle. Yeah. Um, which and surprised me. They, me too. Uh, but if they want to keep a, an English manager in charge, they're going to be able to beat our wage budget by a hundred million miles. And what an opportunity that would be for him. Um, you know, I can't imagine he'd turn it down. It would be the end of the season, uh, but I think he'd be gone. Um, and at that point, you know, what happens there? Uh, but like you said, it's it's hard to gauge, isn't it, against United at Old Trafford? Um, because it's just, it's so unheard of that we'd even get a result um, that you're like, the red flags are flying. It's like, okay, how bad are this team? How good was that? Like, what's what does it look like? Um, I think the Amex and Newcastle will be a much better barometer. Um because they're a well-coached team now, uh, and they are inevitably going to be one of those teams that are going to be challenging for that top ten minimum. And if we want to continue in the in the vein of form from last season, they're a really good benchmark to see where we are. Um, if we're if we're comfortably beaten by them next weekend, you're like okay. Man United are in big trouble. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> holy shit. They, this
1: year's Everton, if that's the case.
0: <laughs> and then second of all, okay, like that there's there's the there's the weakness, right? That we sold out to best defensive players and, and now Newcastle are, are leagues ahead of us. Um but it's hard to tell, isn't it? Um we just we're not gonna know until this time next week, especially with again, it will put the annex under the test as well after the last two years of just general dross that the home fans have been served
2: yeah it's very hard not to get ahead of yourself obviously you know we you get get rid of your two best players and you put on a performance like that and it's you know obviously twitter's going to be rife um but you know we we got five to ten games here to see whereabouts we're going to be um i think adam to what you said like i don't really know where we're going to be all what area of the table we're going to be in. Um, and the likelihood is that we're not going to know that for a while. Um, it's more around who are we playing against, where where do we think they're going to be, and then we put ourselves amongst where we think we're getting the results. So it's always a fun time of the year where you get a result like this and, and you're like, right, we're going on a European tour, that's it. You know, book, book the ticket. And um, But like, like Josh said, you can very easily, you know, Come up against a, a good Newcastle team um, that are looking to do a lot more this season, and and sort of think, okay, that's that's where the that's where the the bar is. So, yeah, have we? It's
1: fun. Have we busted our prediction? What did we predict? We'd pick up points wise against Man United. I can't remember
0: now. Three. Uh, we predicted uh, a win each at each other's homes. Uh, <laughs> we predicted a win. At, we predicted a win at the Amex and a loss at Old Trafford. Uh, so we okay. are well, well ahead of right. schedule. All
1: right. Well, um, we're sorry, everyone, that we're going to lose uh, in March at home against Man U. Most that interesting,
0: most, most telling, most interestingly uh, is like I said to you guys last week. We picked up a total of four points from these first five fixtures in August. Um, and the reason I'm really talking about the ones in August is because the window's still open at that point, so mm. we could look like a different side by the end of September, or we could look like the same side. I don't know, but. The first five games of the season, we took four points from. We lost this one, and we drew the other four, all in a row. Um, we're on three already, so you know we only need one of these ones to come good. Fulham is probably the one to really like look to win, uh, and we're we're ahead of schedule already, um, <sighs> which not bad. Not this an
1: incredibly interesting run, though, isn't it? And from the, for people that don't have the fixtures list up, up in front of them, uh, and we talked about this before, but this this game was always, this first game was, oh, God, whatever we can get from it is great. The fact that we're on three points, as you say, amazing. But Newcastle, West Ham, Leeds, Fulham, Leicester, Bournemouth, Palace. Uh, Newcastle, we don't know what they are yet. We're not going to know what West Ham are because they're currently under duress from City despite it still being nil-nil. Leeds they did win yesterday but I don't really buy that Fulham don't really buy that Leicester about to have a lot of money but not really as much of a squad left <laughs> uh, and Bournemouth don't buy that either I don't really buy Palace so who knows what we could do here
2: yeah uh, it's, it's fun i mean we'll obviously see i think fulham got a decent result but and and bournemouth done well but yeah like like i said it's it's so hard to predict right now i think well we obviously done our predictions last week and without without knowing a ball played so after after this first game week um kind of just see what people are about but it's it's interesting around these next sort of five six games see what we can get from them um it can go very badly it could go okay i think it's going to go okay i think we'll be middle of the road on what we expect but it's a very good start so we'll, we'll kick on and hopefully keep that momentum up bearing in mind that we finished last season very very well as well
0: yeah yeah it, it does feel like we've just kind of carried on uh, from where we left off which is not i don't think anybody expected that um let's talk about the players in specific and we'll get to man of the match shortly Um, But as you said, uh, Moises Caicedo uh, has been widely kind of recommended as not the Basuma replacement, but like you said, he did a good job of impersonating him today. Uh, Led the team in tackles, uh, led the team in interceptions, four tackles, three interceptions, uh, and did his fair bit of work with clearances too. Uh, Outside the centre half, he had the most of those as well. Um, But rather interestingly, uh, offensively as well, uh, and this is where we have taught at length that he's a little bit more well-rounded than Basuma can be. Um, he's that kind of box-to-box midfielder instead of that holding uh, central defensive midfielder, and we wouldn't want to neuter his offensive output for his defensive work. Um, and he led the team in key passes today, along with Lalana and Danny Welbeck. Um, he won uh, more fouls than anybody else um, and, you know, contributed at that end of the field perfectly, um, more so than Basuma generally ever has um barring the odd thunderbolt that he would score um early days obviously 90 minutes into the new season um i know we've just talked about it a little bit about how much money he's probably gonna be worth in a year's time but he's he's going to be better than visuma, and i think that he could probably be our next big like i think he's gonna break our transfer record again um it's just a matter of how long or who is going to partner him in that midfield long term. Because uh, Orlana isn't it? Despite his performance today, um, and and is this McAllister at at holding midfielder experiment actually going to work out? Because he looked he looked pretty comfortable today uh, in in that midfield, making things tick. Um, he he wasn't kind of anonymous, which he is very prone to do. Um, you know, he he had plenty of touches of the ball, uh, scored a goal. Um, you know what more? What more can you offer
1: him? Uh, so, I'm, I'm. I'll get on to Casado. I still. I'm still not buying Alexis. Uh, a couple of passes as well for me, where he just tries to thread the needle a little bit too much, in the shot where a, it was a bit audacious. And I'd rather he kept possession at the point where we're at in the game. Um, but for, for for a 20 year old who has played a total of what seven games for Brighton prior to this one 7-8 uh, yeah uh, unbelievable and I'm I'm excited to see how, how South American contingent really flourish I want to see Sarmiento playing regularly in this team I want to see Inciso in this team um, speaking of why was Enciso not in this team wasn't even on the bench what happened there do we know because I've heard nothing
0: when right. you look at that bench who are you replacing though genuinely look at me, me. look at that bench i i don't see it unless you are unless Mope is definitely going uh, he's the only he's the only one i would be swapping him for and if he's not going then you can't at this present time swap those two uh, for for his morale sake at fair minimum um Potter being the people manager he is, I don't think it... I mean, he's just dyed his hair pink for crying out loud. You can't let, let him drop <laughs> after
1: that. <laughs> well, you're right. But if he can't make the subs bench, loan him out. And, and it seems like they've been relatively insistent that, that he has a shot of playing for the team. Um, so whether he's just waiting for an injury, the inevitable injury to happen in the team, or yes, there's more players coming out, uh, or we're going to send someone else on loan or whatnot. Uh, that's a penalty for Man City. Sorry, watching at the same time. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I but, but like I say, if, if, if we can't if we can't get him on the subs bench, send, get him, get him first in football somewhere in Europe.
0: It does seem like Neil is very much on the on the trade block for the American viewers. Uh, it sounds like he's very much out there. Um, I know that Italian side, Sal- Salatina, Salernatina, or whatever their name was. Frank
1: Rubri FC. Yeah.
0: By the way, terrible football knowledge. I'd never even heard of them before they came in for Mopo. And they're, they're a Serie A side. Like, shocking. I felt bad. Uh, but they're, they're still very keen and confident in getting the deal done, according to the Italian press. Um, so, and apparently, there's there's been a couple of Premier League and multiple Championship clubs all like highly interested in him. Um, and, and I think it was Craig who mentioned it at the end of the game uh, on the on the chat that we have. It, and I agree with him. I think it was very telling that Undav was the man who came on uh, yeah. and not an experienced Premier League player in Mope. Um, I think it was a very telling substitution and shows exactly where he is in the hierarchy. Um, and if that's the case, he leaves. And Cesar takes that spot immediately. That's a that's an instant. That's you know exactly where he's going on that suspension. He will make it at that point. Um, Clark not <laughs> yeah. being on there was a surprise. Yes, to me. another one, isn't it? Uh, yeah, because Clark was the one who was being subbed on more often than Van Heck, uh, and Van Heck make the bench uh, and Clark didn't. So, and what
1: else does Clark need to do? Let's face it, because he was good. he has been good on loan. Like, yeah. what, every, what every time he he's do? gone.
0: Every time he's gone.
1: Year um, left on his contracts, so he's going to be done after this. So it's it has to be a loan to with it with a a a, a, a must buy clause if you're going to loan him out. If not, you're just wasting it everyone's time.
0: Yeah,
2: I think it's, again, two two very telling bits with Ndav coming on instead of morpay and Van Heck being on there instead of Clark. I think yeah, if you wanted NC, so in there, it has to be morpay or one of Sarmiento or Matoma, doesn't it? Really, for for like to like so just not enough room he's also 18 years old bless him so you know let's let's bed him in slowly shall we
1: hey we threw Caicedo in let's just i don't care throw them all in let's get all the <laughs> the, the you don't win anything with kids it's gone now <laughs> throw them all in.
0: Uh, man of the match for you all um craig you can start uh who have you got as man of the match opening game of the season uh and i'm going to keep a little tally this year so we can see um end of season stats. We'll see who, well, who won great. the most man in the match awards. Yep. Yeah. Uh
2: as I think we, we say Kaisidu always gets it, but and I think I'm gonna give it to Gross today. Just to being right place at the right time, very good on the ball, saw the game out with Lamptey on the right hand side. It's very hard to dismiss Gross in, in his role today. So he's always good against Man United. He did it again. Three million pounds, what a sign in. Mine's Gross.
1: I like that cool. There's there's three players in contention for me, including who you picked. Um, and let's also not forget about, I, I think the whole team did a really good job. Our defence kept them quiet too. Let's not forget about Webster and Dunk. Uh, is Casado for me, uh, with, with Welbeck a, a fairly close second. Welbeck was outstanding yeah. today. Yeah. Really, really was. I'm not going to give it to him though, purely because of how bad Man United's defence is. I think I would look pretty good up front against Manu.
0: <laughs> that is, that is brutal. Poor Danny Welbeck, man. Uh, just like not even giving it because of how shit Manchester United are. Uh, you know, I love Danny,
1: but it's, uh, yeah, it's, you got, you're only as good as your opposition and they're not good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, for me, it is Danny Welbeck. Um, I thought he was just unbelievable today. Uh, would I have rather seen Undav start? Yes. Um, which shows exactly why I'm not paid any money in, in Potter is, um, but Bobeck played unbelievably well at the end of last season. And, and his, his role that he's now in was integral to integral to us flooding the box. As I was talking about earlier, like him stretching that line gives us an opportunity to flood the box with confidence. And he did it all day today. Um, he had, you know, he created more chances than anyone else. Uh, he, he, completed more dribbles than anyone else. I love the fact that he went up against uh, Martinez for most of the game. Uh, He won the second most amount of tackles in the team. Um, And every single one of them was pressing from the front. All credit to, to, to for what he does, but he doesn't have that explosive burst that scares the shit out of defenders like Welbeck did today in the press. Um, And it showed because he was, he was incredibly effective. Um, I thought he was just unbelievable. Um, And he was the, the key reason that, that Gross got to stroke in two goals for me. Um, so, for me, it's him. Um, plus, he may not, you know, he's inevitably going to break himself at some point. So, I may as well give him one when he's outstanding, <laughs> as opposed to when he can't play anymore.
1: When he, yeah, when he's outstanding versus can't stand. Um, yeah, I, he, was, he was so good, wasn't he? There's same with the Lana for me in the sense that just you just roll him out while the wheels are on. Until they break, keep them going. And this is going to be Lalana's last season. I well, bet just signed a one year extension, didn't he? Um, unless I'm very much mistaken. So you probably would assume this will be his last one as well, unless he's incredible. Um, yeah, use them where you can. They're, 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 Lalana was also very good t- today.
2: Yeah, it's easy to go through the whole team, I think, today and think, yeah, everyone did a, a good job. Um, yeah, really impressive.
0: Let's talk a little bit then uh, about external factors that have gone on this week: uh, the the Helena cell between Romano and Paul Barber, um, and other things <laughs> like that. Um, it's interesting, isn't it, that Romano is very confident um, of the move to City. Photoshopped Kukarere in the shirt, said it was done. He only ever wants City. Um, which is an absolute lie, by the way, because Kukarera himself said that he's dreamt of playing for Chelsea since-a-boy, uh, and he would never lie. Um, so that was fact. Uh, so Romano was wrong on that one. Um, and the fee was totally wrong. Uh, Colwell was not a permanent transfer, as noted. Um, it's just a bit embarrassing it, at this point, um, just to say that the move's done and that's it, move on. Um but £62 million, he is now the most expensive fullback in the world. Um, didn't look like he'd missed a beat Annoying, annoyingly at Chelsea, did it, yesterday.
2: He looked good for that 10, 15 minutes he was on. Yeah, it's frustrating. That's he doesn't fantastic. exist to me anymore. As that is a, That is a lot of money for someone with... I, I know, and we know how good he is, obviously, but for one season in the Premier League, 24 years old, like £62 million, that's that's insane. Todd Boley, straight up the worst negotiator in football history, um, uh,
1: trying to uh, buy the lad from Leicester, Fafana, who was what, injured for most of last season. And it's already very well known that he's going to go up to 80 million. Why does everyone know that he's going to do that? That's obscene. No one should know what your ceiling is to buy a player when you've just bid below that. What are Leicester going to do then? Like, they're just waiting till he offers 80. It's just, obs- look, I, I, he's confused me with what he's doing. He's, he's coming in, and he's playing a bit football manager, isn't he? Um, and to be honest, if I was a billionaire and I bought a football club, and I could do what I wanted, and I fired everyone that manages transfers, and I could decide them myself. I'd probably just randomly just spend money on players and just outbid everyone. Great, uh, but we're the good recipients of this in in this instance because no matter how much we loved Kukurea, he's not worth sixty two million to pretty much I can't imagine any other club apart from 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 Chelsea, and we know he wasn't worth that much to Man City. That's the power of what we got out of the contract that was negotiated with Cucurator. No pressure to sell at all. It was like, if you want him, make us an offer we can't refuse. And Todd Bowley made us an offer we can't refuse. I'm interested to see what the add-ons portion is, how obtainable those pieces are and how they're structured as opposed to the base figure, because that's interesting to me. Um, That will also help dictate how much is available in the near future to us and how much isn't. On Romano, uh I mean he's been labelled a tap in merchant. He's very, very Pascal Gross guest today, wasn't he? in some ways. Like he's trying to tap in. Uh I think that not to sound like an old man shouting at a cloud, but we're seeing now the dangers of the social media piece around trying to claim first to a story. Because basically it's all Fabrizio's days just tried to claim first on a story before it actually happened. It hadn't happened. He was just passing on what Cucurella's agents were telling him to say to push the transfer forward. And oh yeah, it's done. It's going to be done. Don't worry about it. At the point when he pushed all of that out, nothing had been agreed. And as you say, everything changed. And we've now we're now into that place where we we, we value the speed of a story coming to us as opposed to the accuracy. And let's face it, the difference between what Fabrizio's "Here We Go" was when he first pushed it out was nearly 10 million quid and the difference between uh Colewell moving on a, on a full transfer with a buyback compared to a loan with no obligation that's quite a big difference um silly silly stuff
0: yeah um let's talk about the the money we've now got in the purse uh because we spent pretty much all of the the Ben White money uh, and Dan Burn money last season on Wepu, Kukorea Kozlowski. Uh, not sure where he's going to end up. I'm sure he will end up on loan, not in the squad as well. Uh, Seema, Undav Sherpen and Mitoima last season. Uh, that's a, that was a lot of kind of young punts we took, uh, which is kind of what we're famous for. So they were they were all spent. We got all of them for Ben White and Dan Burn. No. Um, Never a bad uh, return, hopefully. <laughs> uh, on the face of it, it looks like a superb return, right? Um, just just Mwepu alone. Uh, and we turned Kukurea from 15 million to 62. So excellent work. Uh, £100 million this year so far on transfers with Bissouma, Kukurea and Ostergaard out. Um, and just over 10 spent on a Dingra and in CISO. Um Do we need another left back? Do we need another central midfielder who is a more combative midfielder? Um and if if the answer is yes, do you think we will go out and get one? Um the number 3 has been left open, by the way.
2: Yeah, I I think we still do. I think this this covers the issue um of needing a dedicated wing back and a another central midfielder. So I think I do, do we need them? Yes. Do I think we're going to go out and get certified first teamers for those slots? I don't think so. I would love to, but I don't think so. They, they have to fit a certain mold for us in order for us to, to go after them. And, and we have a, like we were saying earlier, a very structured approach to, to transfers and how we do them. Weird that Colwell came in on loan, but okay, fine. Um, so do I, do I see a certified person simply replacing Kukurea who's world-class? I don't I don't think so. Um, do we get someone at the level of Basuma? I also don't think so because those guys come at a premium despite the 90 mil we have in the bank. It's just not the way that we do things. So um, I think we do need them. I think we're going to get someone that's maybe younger and will be bedded in. Um, and I think we're just going to have to deal with that.
1: It's, it's a tough one because you talked about the bench space that we have today uh, and inciso wasn't on the bench, Steven Alzate wasn't on the bench, um, Evan Ferguson wasn't on the bench, uh, Jakub Moda is out for a long-term period of time. All those players arguably could play in the team at some point during during the season in bar and Moda because he's probably going to be out for the whole season. That means that whoever you bring in has to then do better than those guys and then has to be better really than a few of the guys on the bench unless you're going to loan them out. There's new loan rules that are either in play or coming into play about how many people you can send out on loan to non-English destinations. So a lot of our loan activity would then have to probably then be to the lower divisions in England, which limits us and, and pushing people out to USG as well. So there's question marks there. But my worry here is especially if we offload MoPay. I worry about the depth because we have a number of players in the team that we know can be classified fairly clearly as as injury liabilities. I think we know who they are, but people like Tarrant Lamptey, Danny Welbeck, Adam Lallana, um, you could even maybe throw Adam Webster in that area too. Um, So I think we need a couple of signings in there is there a chance we don't sign another quote unquote first team player to to your point, or world club, whatever we want to call it. I'll I'll just say first team player. We might not sign another first team player because I think the, the group of people that, that that Potter threw out on the pitch today, based on the result that we got clearly is good enough. Um, Is that going to last us for a whole season? No, I think we'll sign one or two depth signings. It's my guess.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think we're definitely going to sign a left back, left wing back of sorts. Uh, I love that the journo's are now just throwing every under twenty four left back out there onto Twitter saying Brighton are interested, <laughs> trying to trying to follow in the in the in the Romano footsteps. Um, but I think I think we definitely will be. Uh, Naylor has said as much, right? He's uh, he's even confirmed that Brighton are in the market for a left back of some sort. Um, I think Cole will. It's, gonna, it's, it's been brought in, and we've been willing to do the loan around the fact that Webster is that player that's a little bit on and off. Um, if yeah. we're not 100% sure that Van Heck is, is the guy, uh, I think it will probably be those two together. Um, and then Colwell can go back, and Van Heck will be then ready after kind of a part of a Premier League season experience, um, is my guess. I'm not, I'm really, I really am not convinced they're gonna, they're not gonna sign another depth sign in for midfield, which I, I think we need. Uh, we've seen it with, with, um, with Lanti. He got injured and he's not the same player. Uh, Isquierdo literally basically may as well have retired after that injury. Um, and, and Modas has been brutal and suffered a setback, which is always mm-hmm. horrific. Um, we, we have no idea if that player will ever make a, a Brighton appearance again. Um, And if he does, if he's an effective midfielder anymore, um, we just don't know. He could be, but I mean, there's a laundry list of players, even in 2021 and 2022, in the days where an ACL is is repaired in four and five months, where those players do not come back the same. Um, And like you say, Lalana is hurt all the time. um, And we've got a bunch of players in there that are just a bit dodgy. Um, So I I would like us to sign one. Um, Again, it doesn't need to be first team signing for me. Um, because Besumar wasn't a first team signing, uh, Caicedo wasn't a first team signing. Um, so many of these players that we've signed weren't, uh, who are now star players for us, weren't first team signings. None of them were. Robert Sanchez certainly not a first team signing at 15 yeah. years old when we brought him in. Welbeck was not intended to be a first team signing, and look at the way he's playing now, finding the form of his frigging life at 31 years old. Um, yeah, I, I would. I think we need to make two or three depth sign-ins. And I'm perfectly happy if we see each of them make 12 appearances this season. But that's how we and people keep talking on and on. This is the model. You've got to trust the club. Like We do trust the club, but the conveyor belt is getting slightly more empty at that end uh, as opposed to what it was two seasons ago where you had this list of players that were clearly the next in. Um, You sell Caicedo now. Uh, at the end of the season and as it stands there is no replacement <laughs> there is no. So, no that's that's where that's where it worries me a little bit that's like the model works if you have a con- constant conveyor belt with people coming in and up top you sell Mope for uh, 15 million or whatever it is that's being rumored around that's an absolute joke like I can't believe we'd get that much money through um, but you've got a list of players now you've got your your Undavs you've got Welbeck, you've got Enciso now at the, up there. You've got a group of players that are anywhere from experienced heads to really young, that if one of them pay... And I've not even mentioned Zakiri. Um, and, and as Pierre says in the chat, Florian Andone got given a squad number this week. What's that all about? <laughs> like, he's clearly not going to hang around, you would think. Uh, I think he's probably going to do what the did and burn out his contract. But there's a lot of players up there um, that will have opportunities. That midfield... There's, there's nothing in there of a combative nature once you get rid of Kys um and the stats show it today um he was he was integral defensively
1: yeah and we've already we, didn't, we haven't talked about Duffy has, has went out to Fulham obviously he played for Fulham for a few minutes th- uh, uh, yesterday um the left back bit's interesting I agree with you on the midfielder bit. the left back's interesting because I don't know if, if Chelsea would have given up Colwell on a loan um with nothing else so really purely a development process for them without a some form of guarantee that he plays a good chunk of games for brighton so part of me wonders whether they've been told he will be playing in a left back position whenever we play four at the back um or he will be getting a good chunk of games in one of the center back roles when, when we play three at the back um Meaning that it gives us the ability to, you know, throw Veltman out right back and it pushes Solly March to left wing back or, or whatnot. Given that, we might not bring another body in there um, because I think he is the body. He's the, he's the band aid because I know people were disappointed with just, oh, it's just alone. Why are we developing Chelsea's players? Because as Josh said, the system of this club works on this conveyor belt, this funnel of young talent coming in and one or two work out great. This club did not expect to sell Mark Kukurea this, this, this transfer window, as in if you asked them 12 months ago. Now, the planning of recruitment doesn't happen over the space of what we do in our heads of like, oh, we just sell Kukurea. Let's go and see what's out there. No, They've been planning for these positions and scouting for years. They didn't expect to sell Kukurea truly after a year at the club. So th- this is a band-aid solution. This is it. Let's, let's get Coldwell in. He can play there. If not, we'll play left wing back. We'll have Martin Trossard play the role. Coldwell can play left back. We'll figure it out next transfer window. That's probably where they're at. I wonder if we look at a name like a Harry Winks or something like that. Someone out of favour in the Premier League that is looking for another club and can do a role in that central midfield area can drop back a bit, isn't going to set the world on fire, but might do a job for us. Um, yeah. But I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we don't sign a left back. I really wouldn't.
2: No, I don't think so either. I, I think you're, you're right as well. It's a very reactive process because I think, yeah, yeah, obviously spot on that we didn't think he was going to go after a year. So in, in that case, instead of our typical proactive nature in, in looking at this conveyor belt and building and flushing that talent coming through, um, yeah, it's a short term, short term solution. Um, whilst we, we find ourselves back on our feet, but like I guess like I said to you guys last week as well, it's just, we were searching for so long for a left back and we get in for a combined 11 months, maybe. Um, so it's sort of like, <laughs> uh, you know, 45 million pounds aside, um, you know, it's good business. Of course it is, but you know, it, we've been longing for that position and have someone in that position that we that we can trust and and bring so much to the team. It's just uh, still annoying that we lost him after less than a year.
0: Yeah. Uh, On to next week, uh, top six clash between Brighton and Newcastle.
2: (laughs) The Dan Derby. (laughs) This is the Dan
1: Derby.
0: It is. is, Yeah. Um, They had a good start to the season. Uh, Forest, disappointingly, don't look like much at all this season. Um, Early days, but... they didn't they didn't look like they offered much at all um I thought there would be a bit more just anything about them uh, under cooper who I thought is quite a good manager um long old season of course very early days uh, and they've got west ham next week at home so that first trip to the city ground may well make you know see how much that makes a difference um, and then everton away next after that so who the who the hell knows who everton are going to be um but newcastle next um comfortable win uh, against Forest, Shaw with an absolute thunderbolt uh, yeah. and then Callum Wilson with the with the kind of classic kind of very well taken striker's goal um and obviously a team in the ascendancy spent a shit ton of money um I think they've spent about 180 million pounds since January um what are we what are we thinking here are we gonna roll out the same 11 do you think that we go a little bit more uh do you think how long do you think it is until we start seeing some of these incredibly talented young bench players that we've brought in start getting starts, or do you think it's just an unchanged side because we just dictate United 2 one at Old Trafford?
1: <laughs> well, I think it's a very—it's going to be a very different proposition. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that Welbeck started um, because of what we know that he could potentially do as in hold-up play and what he could do against a five-foot-nine defender. Um, I really do think against a Dan Burnt and a Shar and a, and a, a Trippie and Target and a much, much more physical group of players that, that Newcastle have, um, I think it, it warrants a different approach. I don't know if we'll necessarily change bodies out, but I think we'll see different reactions to, to, to what's going to happen. I also know that there's no way Newcastle are going to roll over the same way that Man United did in that first up. Nothing close to it. Um, This is the last season or two in my mind where I think we can reasonably, and I know this sounds relatively negative, reasonably consider Newcastle close opposition before the the oil money starts getting truly thrown around. Um, So I'd like to see us get some real points out of Newcastle this year. I really would.
2: Yeah, I think it'll be a good game. Um we'll see they spent a decent amount of money since since January, so uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. I think the likelihood of us keeping the same team is probably high for me that we we don't rock the boat too much um I think we see Mitoma come on towards the end of that game and we sort of switch that up a little bit, but again, it depends on how the goes game's going at the time, but I think we're gonna keep relatively the same pattern if it ain't broke, don't fix it, slowly bed in these new signings so that they get used to. In the mm-hmm. Premier League and how this works. Um, and then I think six, seven games down the line you start seeing your, your dabs and your matomas starting. Um, I think that's probably the gradual process that we're gonna see.
0: Yeah. Yep. I would agree with that. Yeah, it's it's a good point. I think I think Man City, uh, Newcastle are at the Man City point where they had Robinho and Joe <laughs> in, the, in their squad. Uh, they've clearly got some very talented players they've brought in, but I think they're going to have a fair share of duffers as well that are just not so good. Um, and I think they're at that phase, and I think Ashworth will get them out of the phase of you know uh, sign one talented player for every three doses, uh and and. <laughs> they'll get to a phase where they're, they're eventually in the same bracket as Manchester city annoyingly. Uh, but this season, like you say, I think, I think for Newcastle, you've got to be, you've got to be aiming for top eight, top 10, right? Like that's, that's where you've got to be aiming. That's, that is progress. That's continuing on the same vein of form that you, you got into in January after spending all that money. That's growth and progress. And then you can spend a shit ton more money in January and summer. Uh, and then you'd target in top six next year. Um, and then they start to pull away from, from teams like us in terms of that reasonable competitiveness. Uh, unless you're Manchester United, where you seem to continually regress no mm-hmm. matter how much you spend.
1: Well, yeah, but they uh, I think they have done a good job of really not being um, absurd with the spending. But they've also apparently, rumour has it that they've run into problems with signing exactly who they want because people don't want to move to Newcastle. Uh, so that's something that they're always going to have to contend with. And you're seeing that they, they're signing, they've signed a lot of um, UK best players uh, where there's less of a pushback, I suppose, than that, than players, let's say, that are, are coming in from warmer climes and have been told to, you're going to go and move to the farthest up northeast England you can possibly get. Remember the sun because you're not going to see it for a while. Like that's, you, you, you can't forget about that. It's not like they've been off the chance to go and play for Chelsea in London and, and hop on a plane and, and go over to Barcelona for the weekend. But that back line and that goalkeeper position—they've really shored up. This isn't the same Newcastle as we're used to playing. Really, like Nick Pope and goal with with Target Trippier, Dan Burn, bottom, and Bottomman if he plays—that's solid. It's not the the whatever they threw out in previous years, which was that Jamal Lascelles and Co. Um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be challenging. I, I really do think, and I I actually if I, I I'm gonna be a betting man. I don't know if Wellbeck starts this next game. And if he does, I think there's a, there's someone alongside him, whether that's Mopay or Undav, someone that can really get in there and, and, and be more physical with the with with those defenders.
0: Yeah, interesting. Uh cop on podcast. Liverpool fans very happy with the result today, unsurprisingly. Yeah, you're chat, welcome, bro. guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I think that's about everything. I think we've covered just about everything. Um so Newcastle next up. So okay, let's just give ourselves some score predictions uh before we go. Newcastle at home at the Amex. What's your guess? Early days, with no idea of what the lineup's going to look like. How are you feeling?
2: I I think I'll go for a draw. I think, like Adam's saying, this is a defensively much improved team. Um, I think it depends on on how we start, um, but yeah, I think it'll be a draw. Unfortunately,
1: I'm ready to be hurt again, but I'm all in. Let's bandwagon it fully. Uh, I think we ride this high. Amazing atmosphere at home. People are going to be annoyed that they stole all our Dans. Uh, it's, uh, I think we win this 2-1. I see him scoring. I think we win. With
2: with Danny scoring.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm going for a draw as well. I think 1-1. One, one. Um, and I would take that to be honest. That's a good result at home. Like we've not started off with a loss. Uh, unlike some big teams uh, at home this, this week we've, we'll come in and we'll get a draw. But um, well, I really, I really wouldn't put any money against a, a Mitoma rundav combo at like 92 minutes, just absolutely victimising them. Um, there's going to be someone this season, very uh, in in that first five to eight games, that are going to be uh, shell shocked by by Mitoma. I think, and I, I just can't wait to see which one it is. Um, it'll probably be Fulham, just to absolutely pour on the misery for the fourth <laughs> for Fulham. Uh, but so, I think Mitoma is going to kill someone. Uh, early days. Um and I would love it to be Newcastle. That really would be nice.
1: Who does he come in for? Where's where's he gonna play? Because I mean predominantly for USG he played like left wing, didn't he? Which is Trossard territory. So I'm interested that they're gonna have to f- switch things up, aren't they?
0: Yeah, I'm thinking as a sub, right? Early days, I think right that will that'll be how he comes in in terms mm. of whoever he, whoever he causes pain to early days. I feel like it would be that. Uh, but I mean that front three, like Lalana, Welbeck, uh, and then March and Gross, kind of all unaided, uh, could well just be one of those two behind behind Welbeck. Yeah, uh, yeah you could yeah. well have Meitner in there. Um, you know, the obvious drop is is Lalana when he eventually gets hurt. Who fills that role uh, in that kind of central attacking Roman midfielder? He'll probably be on that list along with Sarmiento, though, which is exciting. Um, and then possibly in Cizo 2 also really exciting. Um, so there's a and then we, and then Weppu, I haven't even spoke about Mwepu. like that he's probably in that list of players too and he's we all know what Brighton's win rate is with and without him um we are a better side statistically with Mwepu in it last season um so you know you lose the and you've got that list of players to pick from uh it's, it's never never a bad place to be
1: all the more important in some ways, if, if we do, if they do decide to go against what we've said and, and really sign a, a true sort of anchoring midfielder, because suddenly you can throw those, what I would call a little bit more luxury players in, and you don't worry so much. Uh, and I think you would worry a little bit more now. You're not going to be facing Christian Eriksen falls nine every week. Uh, uh, so it's <laughs> like, I don't want to have. Our best defensive midfielders, with all due respect, be sort of makeshift Alexis McAllister and co up against St. Maxim and Callum Wilson, and then the host of better players that are out there in the Premier League. So, because we want to see Sarmiente, we want to see Enciso, who looked fun in pre season, we want to just smash a long range goal in and duke rounds of people and do some, some mazy dribbles. Let's see some of that, but we have to shore up, we have to be solid in that defensive midfield position but amazing start today. What a start.
0: All right, fellas. Uh, I think that's everything. Um, So we will be back next week uh, for Newcastle recap. Um, What time do we play them next week? I haven't even been paying attention. I've been so happy. It's
1: Saturday at 3 p.m.
0: Oh, okay. Nice. So, the classic, classic three o'clock kickoff. That's nice. Um, I know you are out of town for a little bit, or out of commission at least, Adam. So we will be recording the podcast on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, for anybody who's wondering, uh, put some time on your calendar available Sunday. Uh, we will be back to discuss all things uh, blue and white versus black and white stripes uh, next week, and, and see what happens there.
1: Cheers, everyone! Thanks for listening. What a start to the season! Superb.
0: Love it. Thanks. Have a good Bye-bye. one.